0: To our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, Again, my name is Joe. I'm the pastor here. Uh, New series today called Now Trending. Uh, If you haven't been around New Chapel for a while, here's kind of the flow of things. During Easter, you guys all come on the same day. And so we leverage that moment. We give you those little response cards. And we ask you, like, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What questions do you have about the Bible, about God, about theology, anything like that? And so as of Thursday at noon, your pastor had no idea what I was going to be preaching. I got the final report in. And I was amazed to see the flow of all of it. I want to tell you about the messages that we have coming up today and in the couple of weeks following today. Before I do that, I want to talk about Easter. It was a significant day, a record breaking day. Uh, tell me if you're excited. We had 540 people here on this campus. Pretty cool. And uh, on top of all of that, Wait until you hear the end. 46, that's the final tally, 46 people on Sunday accepted Christ. Six youth on Wednesday, 50 people accepted Christ here at New Chapel this past week. God is on the move. And, you know, numbers don't tell the whole story, they tell part of a story. But here's what I hear when I hear those type of numbers is that people are engaged. And what God is doing. They're hungry for a move of God, and you don't need to look far. It's already happening. It's in the house. and We're leaning into everything that he's doing. He's building his church. We're just building a big people. Now, as for now trending, uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty fun. Uh, next week, everybody say next week. Next week on the 23rd, take a look at this. Uh, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult people. How many of y'all have difficult people in your life? Just lift your hand. How many, keep up hands up, are you sitting next to them right now? Oh, just kidding, put your hands up, put your hands up. Uh, just kidding. We're going to be talking about how to deal with difficult people. We all have them in our life, and I want to help keep you out of prison. And so you, you, don't, want to, you don't want to miss next week. April 30th, uh, we're going to be talking about family essentials and raising kids. Now, let me just say, any of these topics that you asked for, they could be whole four to six week series on their own so we're going to do our best. It will be like drinking from a fire hose. It will be a lot, and that's okay. Uh, today, we are talking about handling stress and burnout. It was the second most popular thing that you requested. Is, is you're saying, Pastor Joe, I'm stressed. I'm going through it right now. I'm feeling it. And... Uh, before we get into the real message, I want to give you a simplistic message. So go ahead and throw up the word, uh, the word stress, right? That's what we're talking about today. Here's the simplistic message. If you want to deal with stress, just flip it right on over, and it's desserts. And uh, let's pray and we'll go home. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how a lot of us actually do deal with stress. Um, The reason why I wanted to laugh a little bit is because I think when we talk about, hey, we're going to be preaching to you a message about stress, people in western Michigan, here's what they hear. Well, Pastor Joe, that's a little self-helpy. That sounds a little bit disingenuous. Why are we giving prime time, church time, and we're talking about people's little stress issues? That seems very wrong to me. And friend, I would tell you that the furthest thing could be true. I think it is paramount, so important that we deal with this. It is massive. Christians face real problems just like everybody else. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. Everybody's getting a little blessing and a little bit of problem. It's coming for all of us. And I believe in the message of faith, but listen to me. We deal with real things in this world. And Christians lose sleep because of it. I see people that bury their nose in their phone and they ignore their spouse and ignore their kids because they have so much angst about work that they avoid everything and try to find refuge in their telephone. I know that there's people that feel undue pressure in their lives because of expectations, some of which aren't even real, some of which are expectations that your parents put on your life and your parents have been dead for 10 years and you feel it, and you're living out of this expectation, and it's this undue pressure, and for some of us, it makes us ill. It makes us sick when we feel all of the stress going on in our lives. Here's what I want us all to just admit. Write it down. We are stressed. You say, well, Pastor Joe, that's not faith, and I don't feel stressed right now, okay? Uh, You want me to give you maybe something more positive. I'm positive stress is going to knock at your door, It's coming. So if you're not in a stressful season right now, praise God, right? But it's going to come. There's these tense moments that come in our lives. And so I want you to realize this is that we are stressed and it's something that we have to deal with. Why are we stressed? Well, the top three on everybody's survey would be money, work, and family. And that's not just here at New Chapel. That's all over the nation and really the world. It's money, work, and family. But then we live in America in 2023. There's other stressors. There's cultural decay that we're seeing. There is the pain of inflation. There is a commodities crisis, a fuel crisis. There is uh, shortages. There is a moral decline in almost every area. And we're faced with all of these things. And it raises questions like, man, how's my kid doing when they're at school? And undue attacks will come when you're just living your life. And you're thinking about other things. Or are we going to make it? Or what if this happens? And the stress can become something that is palpable. It becomes something that is a real figure. In your life, a, 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 a fixture. And I submit to you today that we have to do something about it. Luke 21, the Bible says this Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down. And that day, and you know this is true, it will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Do you know what I hear from people, Pastor Joe, I didn't even see this coming. I feel like I'm blindsided with all this. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're in this busy season, everything's going on, and it's overwhelming. And, and the truth is this, you can see it coming. I want to help you with that today. But if you're not careful, it will sneak up on you. It'll put you in a trap. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? It sneaks up on you. Here's some truths about uh, stress and the world that we live in. We're working more hours than those people that worked 50 years ago. Three quarters of doctor's visits are related to ailments from stress. This next one kind of makes me laugh at first. Uh, The American Institute of Stress. Pause. Everybody look at me. That's a real thing. (laughs) I'll just tell you we have a problem. The American Institute of Stress, Google it, says 63% of U.S. workers are ready to quit their job to avoid all that work-related stress. And then one-fifth of Americans say that they're suffering from extreme stress. This is not God's best for our lives. God did not save you and deliver you and go to a sinner's cross to have his people live riddled with stress and guilt and pressure for the rest of their existence. That is not my God. In fact, Jesus puts a dividing line in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. The Bible says, Jesus says, come to me. And that's the invitation for you today and me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen? You know, we're a little bit removed from an agricultural society, and so when we say the word yoke, y'all are thinking about Cracker Barrel or something. Uh, When we say yoke, it's something that they would put over the neck of two ox when they were plowing a field, and the yoke would keep them in line. But what would happen is sometimes you'd have a weaker ox on one side and a stronger on the other. And so the stronger ox would be put in a position where they had to carry the brunt of the labor. And further, if that ox wasn't strong enough to correct this, because the smaller ox would be on the side, it would actually make them go around in circles. They couldn't be on track in what they were trying to do. They were, they were peeling out in life. And, and I think that resonates, right? And what Jesus is saying is this hey, you be the weaker one. What I'm going to put on you, you can actually handle. The things that are overbearing and are taking you down, they're not from me. And, and let me tell you something, Jesus is strong enough to be that strong ox for you, be that burden bearer, and make it so you're not spinning circles in your life. You'll be right on target with him. Amen, somebody? Amen. And so tell me again how disingenuous this is. It's not. And in fact, it's not self helpy This is what is on the heart of your Jesus. It is important. It is a mandate from heaven for me as a shepherd to lead you to a spot where we can have Victory over all of the stress crap in our lives and live free in Jesus' name. That's God's heart for you. And so if pastors had done a better job instead of flinging mud at messages like this, I wonder how many marriages could have been saved. I wonder how many people that died prematurely could have not only lived, but lived a life that was full and vibrant. I wonder how many of you, I could have saved you money on your manicure bill because you'd done eat off all of your nails (laughs) with angst. And so what do we want? We want a message that makes it all go away. And friend, I can't give that to you. A lot of preachers will try to tell you about managing. I don't think you can manage it. I think sometimes a a, a locomotive is going to hit in your life. But I can tell you that when that weight comes, when the stress comes, I I can tell you how to expand your capacity. So the definition of stress is when pressure exerted on an object uh, exceeds what the object can maintain, and it begins to break. You could say, stress is when pressure is greater than capacity. Joe, would you throw me this uh, big, massive chair? Uh, if you're anything like me, you're a dad, and you got suckered into buying one of these. <laughs> oh, no, they can't sit in a normal chair like we would pack for everyone else. Uh, we have to buy them their own little chair for their little anointed hind ends, And... Uh, <laughs> If you're anything like me, it has Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse or something else on it. But these little chairs have followed Kai and I all over the country. We've done a little bit of RVing. And uh, we've had these little chairs behind uh, bonfires. And inevitably what happens is uh, one of my kids, I have 175 kids, um, four, four, sorry. And uh, they'll, be, they'll be making s'mores. They got their little marshmallow. And they'll be whipping and or whatever they do. And They'll zip one of those marshmallows like a flame on my chair, and I am a little OCD, so like that has to get power washed before I'm going to sit on that, or it's going to make my pants sticky, and then that's going to be my head, and then I'm going to, it's just a whole thing. And so Kaya's learned, just, just, just sit in their chair, it's no big deal. And I've done sat in these, and I'm not going to sit in this in front of you today, because <laughs> y'all know what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that little thing. Why? Because it wasn't designed for me. The the pressure that I would put on it, I weigh 175 pounds at least. And and if I put that, if I put, it's not that funny. We're going to pray, okay? So if I put that pressure on that, it's greater than what it can take, right? It's going to break it. And that's what a lot of y'all's lives look like. It's too much. You got too much going on. Too many pressures are exerting themselves. And here's what happens. You'll hit a breaking point. It'll go beyond looking like a chair that's broken, and it'll start looking like your life. Your life will look broken and busted up. Your life will look like a mess. And that's beyond stress. That's burnout. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm not just stressed anymore. I'm done. can't breathe. That burnout feeling is when every task seems hard. Even small things seem insurmountable to do. You're surrounded by people. You just want them to go away, and at the same time, you feel lonely. It's burnout. It's a real thing. You're overwhelmed. You don't feel like yourself anymore. You feel like you're sitting one or two rows back on the bleachers of your life, and everything's just happening to you. You become paralyzed. You don't feel like you can take another step. That's real burnout. Those of you that have been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's more than just stress. And if you're expecting me to give you a message to talk about how the pressures of this world can change, I can't do it. But I can give you a message that builds you up. See, you're not a chair. You don't have to stay in one condition. Jesus wants to build you up so that when the pressures of life plop down on you, you can not only survive but thrive in the midst of all of it. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to ask you a question. What are you going to do about the stress in your life. It's a you thing. I can't take it away from you. I'm going to give you some godly wisdom, I promise. And it's stuff that's within your capacity to do. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to apply it, or are you going to live by default on status quo because the stress isn't going away? I want to share with you a passage. Uh, It's from Romans, and I think it brings so much clarity to how to deal with this issue. Romans uh, chapter 12 and verse 11, the Bible says this don't burn out. Y'all look at me. I love the Bible. This is buck up, buttercup, stop feeling sorry for yourself. The Bible says, well, I'm burnt out. You're like, well, don't. (laughs) That's funnier than you think. Uh, Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. Everybody say fueled. Fueled. And aflame. Everybody say aflame. Aflame. Be alert. Everybody say be be alert. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit. Everybody say don't quit. Don't, don't do that. Don't quit in hard times. What do you do in hard times? You pray all the more. Look at me. Don't burn out. If you're burnt out, don't stay burnt out. That's not God's best for you. Don't do it. God has something better for you. He has a vital and fulfilling life that he wants you to live. Don't go catatonic. Your life isn't for sitting two bleachers back. Your life is for living. Friend, you need to be engaged in this. Amen, somebody? So how do we find God's remedy for burnout. Well, I love it when the Bible kind of preaches my message for me. There's four things in this passage of scripture. Now I will tell you this. The first two points that I give you will be like drinking from a fire hose. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be rapid fire. The second two points we're going to bring it home and we're going to get a little bit personal in all of it. Are you ready? Yeah. Number 1, write it down. How do we avoid getting stressed and burnt out? You need to keep yourself Fueled. Don't burn out. The Bible says keep yourself fueled. You do it. You keep yourself fueled. What what is that? Supplied. Your tank is full. You're rested. You feel well. You're well rested. Like you're fueled. What's the opposite? This is where you're exhausted, where you're weighed down in life. God does not want you to be in a spot where you're living out of a deficit. And I will say that in seasons of stress, it's easy to go from a moment of weakness and very quickly slip into a spot of exhaustion. We're like, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed. When I was rating this message, ironically, it was so stressful. I was like, I, I wanna tell them so many things, and, and it would take weeks to do it, and it was stressful, and it went from like this, oh, maybe I should add a little bit more, to all of a sudden I went catatonic. We'll talk about that in a minute, but the idea being, it's a slippery slope. So how do we deal with it? We'll write this down capacity to handle stress, and that's what I wanna do, I wanna help increase that. It increases when we allow our bodies and our minds to recover. Well, pastor, that sounds self-helpy. This is no more, I mean, this, you can't get any more Bible-y than that. You need a place to recover, a time to recover. Some of you could, you could handle what life is throwing at you, but you can't because you're just not rested. You haven't taken a second to to sharpen the saw. Do you you know what I mean by that? Uh, We've all heard the old-timers say, man, the guy was hitting his axe against the tree, and it took him forever. And the old-timer said, stop, son. Just take a minute and sharpen your saw. Some of you, you're not lazy, but you're not taking ground in your life. Why? Because you're just, I'm just going to keep working. Keep, Keep your head down. Don't just keep... And you're hitting the object, trying to attack the task with a dull axe. If you just took a second and sharpened the blade, you'd be so much more effective. But you don't think you have the time. You don't think you have the right to do it. Listen to me. God commands you to do it. You need rest in your life. It's quiet as I'm preaching it right now. By the time I've drove this home, y'all going to be saying amen. It's huge. It's massive. You need recovery time. I love this quote from a man, uh, his name is Jay Hari. He says, we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about the imbalances, here it is, in the way we live. I believe that people have chemical imbalances. I'm not casting shade on anyone who's dealing with that for real. But I think that there's a lot of people who think that they have a chemical imbalance but the truth is you're just not living a life that has any rhythm to it, any, any order to it. And you are suffering in your soul by merit of what you're doing in your life. We want to medicate problems. We want to numb problems away. We want to vacation ourselves out of the problems that we face. We want to escape them. We want to give shots for them. But here's the reality. What you really need is God's prescription for all of it, which is a lot different than the world's. Two thoughts on this in number one, and then we'll press on to number two. The first thought is this. You need to be, write it down, a self-feeder on God's word. If you're over 45 in here, that little thing up there is in a mural. Uh, If you take your camera out, you can actually open up a little website that we have. You're not going to bother me. You can take out your phone right now. It doesn't bother me at all. If you would, take a picture of that and use the QR code. You will be sent to New Chapel's discipleship website. Here's why this is useful. We're going to talk on there about New Chapel Connect, New Chapel Grow, and we also have different suggestions with links uh, to different Bible reading apps, one of which will read it for you. All you have to do is hit play. If you are choking on that, it's, I can't even pray that out. And so you, that's a you thing. But there's different apps. Also, how many of y'all are old school like me? You just want a print copy of the BIBLE. That's me. So there are links there where you can order them from Amazon. It's one way to make the devil kind of participate in your discipleship. And so, uh, but all the links are up there. And if you use that QR, it'll go to it. Why is it such a big deal? Uh, we had our most successful semester in 10 years of church history of small groups, it was the most attended. Uh, we actually had groups that started out with just a handful of people; they grew every single week. We had groups where people got saved and baptized on a weekday, just here at church. It was awesome, and there was there was incredible growth. One thing that I learned as a young pastor in Grand Rapids is that uh, though other churches in the South they have summer semesters of small groups. It has never worked at New Chapel for this reason. Y'all are going to Grand Haven during the week and should, okay? In fact, I'm going to Grand Haven. I'll see you there. I might have my Bible or not. And, and so some small groups don't work, and that's important for this reason. Look at me. What are you going to do? You were just growing in group and studying the word, and you set a pace in your life, but now you're going back to normal. I would challenge you. To not go back to normal. To allow this last semester to interrupt your normal flow and to jump into the word of God. And and I believe that real life change happens best in the context of groups. I believe in having a group of people around you. But listen to me. You need to become a self-feeder because the devil doesn't play fair. And he's not going to attack your whole small group. Sometimes it's just for you, or just for you and your spouse, and there have been moments in kind eyes walk with God where we've held each other's hand and said, "Hey, it's you, me, and Jesus. Let's go." And we knew how to seek God on our own. I, I just encourage you with everything in me. Lean into that. Now is the time. As small groups have wrapped up to do that. A second thing that I would tell you is, write it down. You need to Sabbath well. Sabbath. Uh, that is to say, to take a day off every single week. You need it. It's essential. And the Sabbath is not a day, per se. Yeah, it means Saturday, and a lot of Christians have used it to mean Sunday uh, in the New Testament, but it's not so much just a day you have to observe. It's a principle. It's the idea that you need to have a day in your week that is devoted to your rest, and it's a big deal to God. say, well, Pastor John, I don't know about that. Well, let me show it to you out of Exodus. This is the Old Testament. The Bible says this in Exodus 20, verse 9. It says, you have six days in which to do your work. Uh, Not my message, but there's a whole different institution in our country that brags that they were the people that started the weekend. Of course, we all know that that's unscriptural. Uh, You have six days in which to do your work. But the seventh day, everybody say seventh day. The seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. The idea is God wants this milestone, this... uh, this pace in your life where there's a day off every week. In the Old Testament, it was on Saturday. But what about the New Testament, Pastor Joe? I think that's all dead. That was in the law. So glad y'all brought that up. In Hebrews, Paul writes this in Hebrews 4, that there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Are you better than God? And he didn't need the rest, and he took the rest to model it. It's a whole thing, everybody. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. You need to have a day in your week that your schedule permits that you have off, that you play, that you do something in that day that you can't make money from. Come on, entrepreneurs. You've ruined a lot of hobbies you've had. You need to have something in your life that's like that you're not making any money with, that you can relax, that you can eat some good meals with people that recharge you, doing things that recharge you. If you are working seven days, you're like, i got to do it, Pastor Joe. i got to get ahead. I can hear my dad say it. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. (laughs) You need a day off. It's commanded by God. Now, I have this in my life. Now, mine isn't on Sunday. I work weekends, everybody. Uh, And so mine is actually on Friday. That's my big day off. uh, And I have these like milestones in my life that mark my life and bring rhythm to it. I rest. It's a huge deal. And you need to rest as well. I've messed up on this in the past. When I was building my house, I felt like I had to be working every single day. I've got to get it. Got to make the draws. Got to do what I got to do. When that was all happening, we had a person come in, and uh, he was doing a church consultation for us he was seeing the areas that were good and some of the areas that we needed to improve on and he asked me pastor dan Stoffer. he said he said pastor joe are you taking a day off every week i said well yes i do but you know in this season and I, i've got a um ee ooh, ah and he said i think i have the relational equity and i'll say that to you as well i think i do to tell you you got to do it you have to do it or sir you're going to lose your family or you're going to die young it's not that you deserve it. It's that he's giving it to you and you need a day off. Okay, okay, number two. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Number two. You need to learn to defend the peace that you have. So, what does scripture say? It says, Don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. A flame is something that has to be maintained or flames go out. Okay, They have to have fuel added to them, this is true, but they also have to be guarded from water, they've got to be guarded from the wind, they've got to be something that is preserved. And so when you're aflame, this is when you're vibrant, you're hopeful, optimistic, you're cheerfully expectant of what God has for you. You're filled with God's spirit. You need to be a person who is both fueled and aflame. What does this look like? A couple things, uh, first of which is this. Stop striving for more of everything. <laughs> Stop. It's okay, put it this way. It's okay for you to have more stuff. It's okay if you want a boat. It's okay if you want to have uh, some vacation time or have some toys. I'm telling you to stop striving for it. Stop striving for the more and trying to find your in. I heard the stat of the American, average American spends 137% of their income. Friend, that's not sustainable. And by the way, stop throwing mud at the government's awful. Fiscal policy when you're doing the same thing yourself. It's not sustainable. It's not right. It's something that is actually going to bite you in the end. What happens? You become overextended. You become a person who's ate up all the margin that you might have had. And you begin striving. Because you want to, what? Buy things that you don't need to impress people you don't like. (laughs) And by the way, it's good money you don't have. And, And do you see how this begins to snowball on us? And that 137 actually costs a lot more than just even that. What does Ecclesiastes say? Ecclesiastes 4, it is better to only have a little with peace than to be busy all the time. I'm chasing that car payment. I got to pay that boat off. I got to, and it's all the striving and all the work. And again, I hope that you have awesome choice. If anybody has a yacht, I'll give you my cell phone number. Okay, I promise I'll pick it up. <laughs> my, my battle isn't against you having fun. It's against this striving to keep up with American standard. It is fake. It is hollow. And that striving is hollowing you out. We complain and we say, well, Pastor, I'm just trying to balance everything in my life. Y'all listen to me. Balance is a... Somebody pick that up. Lord Almighty. I can normally just breeze over that, but that just wouldn't stop. Okay. You foul demon of ringtone, come out in the name of G. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. If you're a visitor, come back. Um, (laughs) Here's what I'm trying to say. Is that we think that we need more balance in our life. Pastor, I'm just going through the season. I need some help. Pray for me. Because everything's just a little out of balance. Listen to me. Balance is a myth. There's no such thing as balance. I'm just looking for some balance. You're going to mess up your life. Because here's what you're going to try to do. On the same little stick that's only supposed to have one little dish on it, you're going to put way too many dishes on it, and you're going to be like, well, God, I need you to balance it, and if you don't, you're not real. What? That's how it works? No, no, no. You get a plate on there. That's what you do. God will give you your portion in life. And, And so there's no such thing as balance. Well, what do we do? There's rhythm. There's an ebb and a flow. There's seasons that are busy and then seasons of rest. There has to be this tick Talk this this respiration, if you will, to your life, and without it, it's it's going to be hollowed out of a lot of real meaning. When I was growing up, uh, my grandparents were a little bit older. Uh, Maybe some of you in the room remember your grandparents. Maybe they were like this. Uh, My folks they lived out at Thirteen Mile and Kenowa, where Kent County ends and and Ottawa begins, and they lived out there in all those orchards of the ridge and. there was nothing to do at grandma's house at all, right? Like, here's what, like, she had a really nice little twin bed for me, and that's it. You know, like, and, and, and so she would want to visit. She'd be like, I'll oh, sit down, let's visit. She'd want to talk. We'd have to make our own fun out there at grandma's house, and, and that looked like starting a garden. <laughs> and, and here was our big fun. In August, the cucumbers would be big enough to hollow out and make a little boat out so we could, like, sail it on the pond, and inevitably it'd, it'd like, sink in five minutes. Like, that was fun for us. <laughs> Uh, Yo, pastor, I would go out to those dirty little ponds my grandma had on her land, and I'd hunt for crayfish and bullfrogs and turtles, and, and I'd come in late at night, and, and we'd eat, you know, they'd have a sandwich, like a little cut in a corner, and they'd just a handful of chips, like every, it was the same thing every day, you know, and it was just, everything was very measured and normal, and there was a rhythm to all of this. We didn't have angry birds. We had birds, Okay, that's where we were at. My grandma had a horrifying demon-possessed goose that would chase us around. And they'd sit back there and laugh at us. And They'd be like, let me get my camera. you like, click. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Hey, sit still. Sit still. You can't sit still. It's going to bite me, your demon-possessed goose. And I loved it. I miss it. And there's a slow and steady pace to that life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, I, I hope it for you. I wish it for you. Because those were the weighty moments of my life. It's not all the stuff. It's not filling in all the gaps with what I think. It's not contending for more. In fact, I'm the preacher that's going to say, I'm really contending for you to have less in your life. But have peace and be happy with the of your things. Uh, that is the next thing. Write it down. Lead into God's rhythm for your life. That ebb and flow. That, that metronome going back and forth. Now, there will be busy seasons. But here's what I think. A lot of people justify their awful organization of their own lives by saying, well, I'm just in a busy season. Have you ever heard that? Oh, listen, we're just in a busy season right now, so we can't make this, that. We're just busy. You know, just pray for us. We're busy. And really, it's like, I can't manage my own life, okay? So I'm going to take off now. And that, that's what it is, right? Shame the devil and tell the truth, okay? And so the idea being, if there is a busy season, there's got to be that season of rest. You've got to have the ebb and you have to have the flow. But no matter whether you're in a season of rest or busyness, and they both come, okay? You need to have these consistent milestones in your life. What do they look like? Church. Every seven days, you need this. It's a breath of fresh air. You need it. You need to hear from God. You need to worship. Some of y'all, you've been coming to New Chapel for a while. You have no idea what people are doing in the front four rows because they're like waving at Jesus and loving God. (laughs) And then in the middle, you're, you're kind of there. You're holding your coffee in one hand. You're like, I love them, you know. Back row, you're doing one of these things like you can fly, you know. I wasn't raised like that, Pastor. You want to do it, but this is all you got. See you at the front. <laughs> and here's the idea. You need church. You need to you need wrap those little wings of Jesus. G- like you... You need it in your life. You need groups. If groups are in session, you need groups. If if groups aren't in session, you need godly relationships. You need community that's all around you. Now, these aren't in the Bible, but the Bible talks a lot about them. So on Thursday night every week, uh, because I'm a preacher, uh, I take Fridays off. So Thursday night is a date night. I date my wife. Now, I will admit, I've gotten a little bit boring in my old age, and Applebee's is like an adventure for us now. We want to go to Home Depot if there's enough time, you know. But um, so... But at the same time, I'm still dating my wife. Some of y'all dated, and you're pursuing, you're showing up with flowers. Y'all were wearing a collared shirt, look ridiculous the way you were wearing it, and you're like pursuing her. You got married, you done sat on your blessed assurance on that recliner since y'all said I do. And, and don't do that. You need to pursue your spouse and date your spouse. So every week, Friday night, we have a date night. It's very rare. Every once in a while it doesn't happen. We'll make it into something else, but I date my wife. Friday, what's Friday? Family day. That's a great system for you. It's a family day. It's a family day. My kids don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun. And we're on a budget, just like you. I don't have uh, unlimited funds. The opposite is true. I'm on a very tight budget. But going to the dollar store and buying some snack candy goes a long way for a couple bucks. Now, our family, we did something pretty fun. Actually, Kaya's family started this. You know those uh, Tupperware uh, chip dips that they have at parties or veggie dips, love the dip in the middle and this, you know, all those little spacers or whatever? So we hijack that, and we fill it up with like gummy worms and Pringles and pretzels and licorice and popcorn, and we have snack tray and we watch a movie, and my kids, we're not watching your current movies, because I'm a great dad. We're watching old school movies, and I tell my kids that it's new, okay? Like, literally, the other day, I walked in. I was like, hey, guys, did you hear? They're like, what, dad? It's like, Back to the Future 3 just came out. They're like, no way. It's like, yeah. Dude, Doc's okay. He's alive. <laughs> what? Yeah, so it was family movie night. Here we go. I'm a great dad, so we watched Three Ninjas. Anybody in the house? You know what I mean? I'm a great dad. Christmas last year, I got them a Nintendo 64 after a year of playing Super Nintendo. I'm a great dad. Okay, so family day. It's a thing. You should write down those hacks because it's incredible. But outside of that, I'm a person that has rhythm in my life. I've never never sat next to a dying person and had them bring up, man, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time in the office. I've heard many of them say, I wish I would have spent some more time with family. I wish I would have focused on what's real. Got to move on. If that is true for you, it means you're going to have to write it down, say no to a lot. No. A lot of opportunities, a lot of good things cross my path. In fact, one of my buddies hit me up on Monday and said, hey, we're going to go see a movie. I got a ticket with your name on it. And I'm like, I want to go really bad but I have deferred my Sabbath because of Easter. I have to take Monday off. I said, forgive me. And he said, no big deal. And he brought another one of my friends, and they had a great time, and I was jealous. But, but outside of that, <laughs> I say no to a ton of things. I say no to a lot of good opportunities that come by my path, and here's why. Proverbs 20 and verse 25, the Bible says this. It is a trap for a man to die. Dedicate something rashly. Remember that. I'll tell you what that means. And only later consider his vows. Here's what this means Hey, uh, do you want to come by our thing and watch the whatever? And you're like, Yeah, I would love to. And then you get there and you're looking over your spouse and you're like, Why did we say yes to this? Why are we here right now? I hate this. You know, it's when you commit to, Oh, yeah, I'll supply all the food for the soccer team the whole year. No big deal. What were you even thinking? You, You just flippantly dedicated something. And then you're like, then you're weighing your vows. Then you're weighing what you said, affirmative or the no. And so my encouragement to you would be to really weigh that out. Don't get caught in a spot where you're saying yes to all kinds of things because you have an approval addiction. Snap, there it is. And and you're saying yes to everything because you want to make everybody happy. You don't want to make anybody upset. Look, you ain't going to make me upset. Say no to me. I love you. I'm good. I say no to a ton. In fact, if you want to make any kind of ground in your life, like really become somebody, it's really going to be defined by what you say no to. I'm going to give you the opportunity. You all look like you need a moment, okay? We're all going to say the word no. It's going to be very therapeutic on the count of three. You ready? And I don't want you to go, no. I want you to say, no. Okay, ready? One, two, three. No. Oh, that feels good. That feels good. That could be the whole podcast. Like, just... That is right. You need to learn to say no to a lot more things if you're going to have godly rhythm in your life. You will find it is hard to get a hold of me between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock every day. Why? I'm in Dadville. I'm saying no to a lot of things so that my kids grow up with a memory of their dad always being there. I'm saying no to a ton of things. I have a lot of opportunity to preach. People knock at my door, they want me, all that kind of stuff. And I've done a little bit more of that this year, but let me tell you something. I've even worked on that with integration, taking my son with me and laying hands on people on the altars. Like, I don't want to be gone doing my own thing, even though there's opportunity. That's good. That's God's good work, his good gospel. Perfect. I'm going to do what God called me to do, not everything that's just good. And mom, dad, some of you even choose schools because you're like, well, this school has more opportunities. Kid doesn't need a 1,000 opportunities. At Youth, this last Wednesday, I let your teenager really have it. It was wonderful, very therapeutic for me. And um, as I was preaching to them, I said, how many of y'all have a teacher or have gone to a pep assembly or had a big assembly thing where you had a speaker come in and they said, you can do anything you put your mind to. If you can dream it, you can do it. Anybody? Lift your hand. They'll all lift their hands. I said, that is a dirty communist lie. You can't do everything that you want to do. You can't do anything that you dream of. Look, if I really got it in my head that I wanted to play in the NBA, I could really squeeze a good dream in there, but that ain't going to add any length. <laughs> White men can't jump. I don't know. I just It's not going to happen. Well, dream big. I could dream even bigger, and it's not going to work. It's just... It, you can't do whatever you want to do. If you do what God has called you to do, you will thrive. If you get in your sweet spot, what you're uniquely gifted at, you know what I'm talking about, everybody? You'll thrive. You'll go to the top quick because it's what God has called you to do. But if you start to go outside your wheelhouse just because you looked at somebody else and it looked like their life was cool, and you've got this comparison issue that you want to be like them, friend, God is not obligated to answer those prayers. And so we have to be people that say no to a lot of good things in lieu of saying, hey, I'm going to raise my kids for the God things. So maybe your kids shouldn't be in an AP class. Even though they're good at it and would pass it very well. Maybe you need to hear from God. Because not every opportunity, even good opportunity, is a God opportunity. Maybe you need to say, my kid needs to learn what it's like to not have to strive for the scholarship. And they need to know that God can supernaturally meet needs outside of everything that they can just prove to everyone else in a fake standardized test. And conversely, maybe your kid needs to be in AP classes. Well, how do I know? You ask God. But you don't take every good opportunity. You look for the God opportunities. Your kid doesn't need to be in 150 different sports. You're killing your kids to try to prove on Instagram that you're a good parent. My kid does soccer. My kid does, uh, what is it, uh, uh, polio. No, polio is a disease. Polo. Poli- what is it now? It's polo, polo, yeah. How about lacrosse? My kid's in the golf court. I don't know, whatever. Like just, yeah. And again, not that funny. Okay, and so what, here's what you're doing. All you really want to do is take that selfie next to your kid in a trophy. You ought to just Amazon yourself a trophy, take a kid and stop wearing your kid out. You have nothing to prove to this world. You are in front of an audience of one. You raise your kids in a godly way. Who cares what the world thinks about your kid? That's good preaching. I'm just saying. Okay, so if that's true, write this down. You have to build margin into everything you can. This is a value of mine margin. Has to be everywhere. So like at the Bevilacqua's, there's no morning where we're like, oh my gosh, we got to get this done, we got to get there. done, comb your hair quick, we got to... There's none of that. We have at least 30 minutes of just nothing on the books before we have to leave and after we got ready. There's no rush. There never has been. Well, maybe there has early in our marriage, but that, that ended pretty quick. I mean, it was just, it's peaceful. We have a great time leaving the house. I'm not going to live my life stressed out, so we have 30 minutes. It's just a little life hack I have. You need to think of how you can put margin around all of the big stones of your life, so you're not stressed. So you're not riding somebody's tail on one thirty one, and they're my enemy. You know, just chill out. You have time to get there. You have time to get where you need to go. There's a cost for living that way. The Bible says this in Proverbs twenty one. In the house of the wise are stores. The Bible says of choice food and all. But a foolish man. This is a person who's deceived. Who they're fooled. A foolish man devours all that he has. There's no margin. There's no space. And so you need to take charge of your schedule. The Bible says this in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days, God. Recognize how few they are. And I love this. Help us to spend them as we should. Spend them. So you have 24 hours in your day just like the president has, just like Elon Musk has, just like the greatest captains of industry. All through the ages before and in the future, you have 24 hours. You need to spend your time. You need to invest these moments and invest them wisely because what you may be able to pull off in a moment, a busy season, it might be doable, but rate it down, it is not sustainable it is doable, but it's not sustainable. You need to realize that what you can pull off in a month is not something that you can live with for a year. Say amen, somebody. Amen. And that is to say, we are working 181 hours a year more than the previous generation. If you're counting, that's a month and a half more of work every year. It doesn't all fit in something has to break and i think you need to avoid the rush. I'm going to put this up on the screen. Maybe you want to take your phones out and screenshot this very quickly. Avoid the rush. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry and we got to get the kids to the th- it puts you further behind. A person in a hurry, you know this to be true, makes mistakes. How many of y'all you've been like speeding on the expressway cuz we got to get to the wedding and it's like boom, that's when you see those like cop lights in your rear view mirror and those guys look part of the ticket is costing you time they're in no rush whatsoever they're like hey praise god have you heard the good news i'm giving you a ticket you know they'll just take their time they're happy doing it i'm gonna go back to my car no no, no just do it right here you know person in a hurry makes mistakes psalm 39 we're merely moving shadows and all of our busy rushing it ends in nothing Proverbs 10, reverence for God adds hours to each day. Well, I can't serve Pastor Joe out of the time. You don't get it. You will get time multiplied back to you that you're not even counting on. You'll have margin built in that you don't even see yet. Reverence for God adds hours to the day. Now, I told you, the first two points we're going to take the longest, and there's four, there's two more points. These go quick. But this is where I want to really bring this home and make this personal Write it down. Uh, If we're supposed to keep ourselves fueled, defend the peace, number three, we need to be self aware. Self aware. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. And it says, Be alert, servants of the master. Uh, Kai and I became aware several years ago when we were still a mobile church that we were going to have to leave the school that we were in. Uh, We were exactly 104 Sundays at Celebration Cinema Woodland at Woodland Mall, now the Phoenix. And uh, then we were just over two years at uh, North Point High School near uh, uh, Leonard in the East Belt Line. And we were good being there. The church was growing there, but they said, hey, you got to go. We're doing some construction. We're going to need this space. It's not working out. They gave me six months warning, and I actually thank God that they did. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't part of our agreement. But I had six months to find a place for the church, and it was so difficult. Kennawa Hills High School turned us down 100 times to meet there. You couldn't rent. And so it became very apparent to me we're going to have to buy. Sooner than we anticipated, uh, Kai and I just came to the conclusion we're going to have to sell our house in order to have a down payment for the church. At the time, New Chapel had less than $10,000 in the bank. If you're a business owner, you know that, I mean, you'll run the risk of kiting checks if you don't have any kind of buffer there. And so uh, we sold our house, and we did well. And we took not only our tithe, but more than that, and we gave it to the church as the down payment to buy a building. And this is the building that we landed on. I'm going to breeze over a lot of very interesting details, but uh, it was very stressful to find this building. It was very stressful to find something in our budget. And Kaya was pregnant with our second son. Our first son was just over a year old. And so I'm trying to have that integration thing, so I'm bringing them along. We're driving everywhere to try to find someplace. Nothing's opening up. Well, we did land on this spot. This is a former Rite Aid pharmacy. And uh, at the time we bought it, it was something like a restore. And we white boxed it. Uh, But before that, we had to close. Trying to qualify for a loan was very complicated. But over in the area where we have new kids today, that was actually a tenant space. We had a tenant that was a nursing school, teaching people to be CNAs and nurses assistants. They had been there for 20 years. And so we qualified for the loan because we had revenue from that tenant. It looked like a sure thing. Well, we closed on this property at the last part of uh, uh, June, three days after my second son was born. All I wanted to do as a dad was be home with my baby, and I had to come here, close on it, and we started renovation immediately. Now, this had a drop ceiling. There was different structures in here. We did all of the demo. We white-boxed it. I chipped up all this tile myself. We hired some builders in. We had a wonderful man of God named Scott Fitzpatrick, GC this for us, from Copper Rock. And all together in two months, we got this done. And that is, if you're anybody in construction and know how things go like that, it's a big deal. Yeah, praise God, right? (laughs) And we landed, we got in here, and that was a stressful, long, arduous process. Well, in the midst of all of that, uh, Kai and I, we were going to buy another house, but this is when the market took that turn upward, and we couldn't find anything. In fact, it was so uh, hungry for houses that there just wasn't anything in our budget. So we got the idea, well, we'll build. And we had enough money from the sale of our house that I thought, well, we can do this. We were going to hire a builder to be our builder, but we were going to do as much as we possibly could. I was going to wire it myself, and we'd do a lot of the finished carpentry and and as many things as we could do. I built a lot of that house off from the restore, but uh, we we engaged in that process. Well, as we engaged in that process, our builder, after he got it framed and just as the Tyvek got on, he went out of business. He got a $250,000 fine from OSHA, and so I think he's in Mexico right now. But uh, anyway, (laughs) he split. And so I am the de facto general contractor, and there's stress. And I've got to appeal to the bank in order to let them allow me to make draws, and I'm trying to show them this project that I've done. And, and so we begin to do that. While all of that is going on, our tenant over there stops paying rent. From July of that following year until December, didn't pay rent. So Kai and I, we didn't tell anybody this, and it's been enough years that I feel comfortable telling you. We didn't take a paycheck for six months, and in fact, some of that money that we needed for our house, in fact, some of the finishes still aren't there, we had to give to the church to be able to pay everybody else on staff their, their paycheck, and we're good with that. We didn't bring it up for this reason. We didn't want to put any pressure on you to give. We never have. We never will. We always say, ask Jesus, and God supplied. Well, we began a process of evicting that tenant who wasn't paying but still occupying, and uh, through some pretty godly loopholes we were able to sue that person come to a settlement outside of court and release them to their destiny in jesus name i'll clap for that one i needed that and so we exercised anyway and so we we got we got that done and we were able to like get a settlement but it wasn't everything and so we finished our house and we landed. and We finished this church and we landed. And at the end of everything, guys, I was in battle mode, in war mode. Let's go. I'm a builder. I'm a fighter. Let's go. And when all the pressure got off and all of the occupancy permits came in, the change of pressure on me, I collapsed. I was exhausted. I was tore back. I didn't have energy to do things that I liked doing. And thank God I have people in my life who could see those blind spots and could come around me and encourage me and pray i have a family that loves me. And so what happened? On the other end of burnout there was hope, but i wasn't self-aware. I can tell you this that getting all of those bad reports and those hits it felt like a like a train was 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 hitting me in the face. The enemy was trying to sift Joe Bevalacqua. and what he found was this. I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. I trust in my God, and I will come out on the other side. And, and that is my faith, but listen, it did, not, it did not look and it did not feel as triumphant as what I even conveyed. Here's what it looks like. You don't stop. You lean in, and what do you do? You reestablish health in your life and godly rhythm in your life. What's the little check mark, Pastor? There's no check mark. Number three is be self aware. Think about what you're doing and how you're doing it because it has implications on your soul. And number four, number four is this: don't, please don't, quit. The Bible says, "Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant, and don't quit. Don't quit in hard times. In fact, what God wants you to do is lean in even more. Pray all the harder, the scripture says. Don't be taken off balance by all of that. God wants you to lean into your relationship with him, and that's how he carries you out of it. The Bible says of Jesus that he is our good shepherd. In Psalm 23, the Bible says that he he makes me lay down on green pastures and next to still water. He makes me rest. This is why we got to talk about this, guys. Guys. He makes me do it. It's who he is. He doesn't want you stressed and burnt out. He wants you vibrant and vital and alive in this world. Say amen, somebody. That's where he's leading you. How do you know it, Pastor Joe? I want to read this for you. I'll give you one point. I'll read you a scripture and I'll pray. Here's the point. We need to get close to Jesus. That's the most important thing you can do when you lean in, pray all the harder, when you have that relationship established, he personally makes all the difference. The Bible says it in Matthew 11. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Here's the invitation. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Sir, you're so uptight, you don't rest. You don't take a day off. You don't vacation. He'll show you how to do it. He wants to walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. I love that word. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. It's all gonna make sense. The things that you're gonna do, it's gonna fit like a glove. Keep company with me, Jesus says, and you'll learn to live freely freely and lightly. That's the invitation. So we get close to Jesus and that's where stress and burnout fade away. It's found in God's presence. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. God, I know it's not a reach to say many in this room are stressed. Some are burnt out. God, I pray that you'd move in hearts right now. If you're next to your spouse and you're already holding hands or maybe you'd like to hold hands right now, if you know that God's ministering to you and you're like, hey, we got to work on stress, you don't need to talk about just squeeze their hand right now. We got to talk. We got to figure things out. Maybe you're in here and your spouse is maybe serving in another area or you're here as a single person. Listen to me. Right now is the time to make a concrete decision. You got to stop living this way or you're not going to live long. You know it. God's ministered that to you. You've got to find pace in this thing, and it's rhythm. It's not balance. So I'm going to pray for those in the room that need, need to lean into this rest. If that's you, no one's looking around, I just want you to slip maybe a hand or two up, kind kind of like you're worshiping, to let me know. And I want to pray for you if you're stressed in this room. Go ahead, lift your hands right now. Father, I pray for these that are honest, that are saying that they're stressed. God, I pray for relief in their heart and in their life. God, I pray that they would begin to stack godly decisions, godly decisions, build margins, say no to things so that, God, they can experience your peace and your freedom. God, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, help them to be the parents that you've called them to be. I pray for godly relief as they make decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Hands down and heads bowed just for one more minute. If you're in here, you say, Pastor Joe, this all sounds great, but I don't have a relationship with God. My life's not right with God. If that's you in the room and you'd say that's true, the only way to have peace with God is through Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call Jesus the Lord of your life, that's where there's forgiveness. That's where there's an eternity in heaven, but that's also where eternal life is found in the here and now. We're going to pray, and if you believe it, the Bible says you'll be saved. Church, pray this with those people. Let's all pray it out loud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I could be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make a space shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. See you next week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.